We are recording in three, two, one. Right here. What's up and happy Thanksgiving, Whisper Nation. Welcome into a special Thanksgiving Day matchup preview show. I am your host, Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at Big Travi TFW. I am joined by Austin Sear, ARC, the man himself. You can find him on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. What's going on, Austin? What's going on, man? Good to see you. It's Turkey Day or just about. Uh, get, get About to get our grub on. Maybe a little differently this year, but uh, still football, still food. Still more plates than I should. Yeah, still don't I love care. it. <clears throat> And we're also joined this time by Johnny Game Time Hicks. You can find him over on Twitter at Johnny underscore Game Time. Johnny, what's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Uh, it definitely has to be the mashed potatoes, homemade mashed potatoes. And you got to mix in the the corn. You get a little bit of turkey in there. I know the, I know it's just like you, you said, just go with one. But you can't. Like I, I, I swear to this day, I am the originator of that KFC you know, bowl that they have where they, uh, but I used to, I do it every single year. This is how, t- this is how TFW loses monetization. Yeah, we I get gotta, sued gotta, by KFC. Oh, I got to tell you this one story with it real quick, because Johnny, I forgot that I was at your family's cabin some like 15 years ago. Like, yeah. no, it was more than that. It was like 16, 17 years ago. Yeah. Just keep family, showing our like, age, dude. Just keep showing our age. I'm 31 years old, born August 27th, 1989. 16 years ago, we were at your cabin, and I love Thanksgiving food. Like It's my favorite meal, hands down. Turkey, I could eat that three times a day for like a week and a half straight. Johnny's family cooks this amazing turkey, and they're like, yeah, just help yourself. And like, then there weren't any leftovers of the turkey anymore. And your aunt was like, where'd all the turkey go? Austin just ate all the turkey. Austin's trying to get himself not invited to anybody's uh, Thanksgiving after that little drop there. I never went back. Hold on. (laughs) But that has to be the first time ever in the history of Thanksgiving that someone actually is like, oh, where where's the leftovers? Because like most of the time you're like you spend so much time cooking it. You're like, I don't even want to put away the food. But so also I was just trying to do a little bit of a favor. I was I had no problem sure. with it. Someone had to eat the food. Peggy did though. Yeah. <laughs> well, just like this uh, intro got a little off the rails, we're uh, we're gonna take the show off the rails a little bit this time. Usually, uh, we go through each and every single player for you, give you that in depth look, and we're still gonna get in depth, but we want to go through a few storylines per team for all the thanks all the Thanksgiving Day matchups. Um, and we've got three of them, a, a nice slate. And remember that the games start at 9.30 a.m. Pacific time. So make sure that's a half hour earlier than they start on Sunday. Uh, so make sure you got your lineup set and ready for that. And you're checking out all the injury news. The first game, that 9.30 a.m. Pacific game, is the Detroit Lions, who play every Thanksgiving. And they're hosting the Houston Texans. This is a 51.5 point over under. We've got uh, the Houston Texans favored by just under three points at 2.5. You know, when we were looking at this game, guys, I, I just really wanted to start with Duke Johnson because I think that's the the question here for me has been, is Duke Johnson going to be able to take advantage of not only this matchup, but the fact that David Johnson hasn't been in the lineup. I mean, if we look at what he's done since David Johnson's been out, he's kind of been disappointing. After his nine-week performance against Jacksonville, he's yet to break 15 carries or 55 yards and now back-to-back games. 
20 receiving yards over the last two weeks. He's averaging only three yards per carry. And then you look at this game, like Detroit's a mouth-watering matchup. New Orleans has a, only New Orleans has allowed more rushing touchdowns, or I'm sorry, no team has allowed more rushing touchdowns than Detroit with 14, and no team allows more points per games. Uh, two running backs than Detroit with 29.1. Detroit is now allowing 123 rushing yards per game on average. Um, so just looking at that, guys, it, it was a real concern for me. But I know that you guys were looking a little bit at some of these other things, and I, I think we've got to talk a little bit about Deshaun Watson, Austin. Yeah, we do. Uh, Deshaun Watson had started off the year a little bit underperforming, but he has looked really good and never better than last week where he was the number one quarterback in the league going up against New England, and he's got an easier matchup right now in the Detroit Lions. There's real no reason to believe he's not going to have a great game. The Lions give up the 11th most amount of yards, two quarterbacks in the NFL, the 14th most amount of touchdowns, and the Detroit pass rush is ranked number 21. So there's not a lot of pressure coming to Sean's way. And Deshaun Watson under pressure versus completely clean is a totally different story. We've got five touchdowns to three interceptions when the man is under pressure and 15 touchdowns to two interceptions when he's not. So I think he's going to have a clear path forward to score you a lot of fantasy points through the ground, in the air, and really however he chooses. Johnny, when you look at um, the the wide receiving core, you know, where, where Deshaun's going to be throwing the ball to, we've got to talk a little bit about the Will Fuller-Brandon Cooks breakdown. Um, we actually saw Brandon Cooks cool off a little bit last week, but has been kind of the alpha as far as target share has been concerned. Yeah, and definitely think that that continues this week. Uh, listen, on the on paper, you look at Detroit, uh, they give up the fifth most explosive plays in the league. And so you look at what, uh, you know, the Houston Texans like to do. Well, the, the deep ball guy is Will Fuller. And so I expect uh, Will Fuller to be, uh, you know, according to Pro Football Focus, lined up against Desmond Trufant, which is giving up .36 fantasy points per route ran, which is one of the highest in the league. So I think Will Fuller actually has a great day. I would definitely be starting him. The guy that I wouldn't be starting is Brandon Cooks. I would actually uh, bench him this week. I think he continues to cool off. I think down the road he'll he'll pick it back up. Uh, they they have some better matchups down the road, but in this one he'll be facing uh, Amani. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce his last name because it would just be uh, I'll just call him uh, Amani O. Uh, but this guy is giving up just .17 fantasy points per route run. Uh, just to give context, once again, Ramsey, uh, which everyone knows how good of a corner Ramsey is and how much he shuts down corners, he gives up about .15 fantasy points for a route run. So uh, you've got uh, Amani quietly you know, shutting down corners or shutting down wide receivers, so I would be looking elsewhere uh, than uh, Brandon Cooks this week. I think uh, we're going to fade Brandon Cooks, and then we're also fading those tight ends as well. Um, you know, you look at Jordan Akins and what's been going on there since he's gotten back from injury, and it just hasn't been able to line up for any other guys. On the other side of the ball, Austin, the Detroit Lions, we've got a situation where Kenny Galladay has been out quite a bit of time now, and has it really maybe affected the offense, but particularly what are you looking at in Marvin Jones and this wide receiving core? Well, you're really looking at Marvin Jones. If you've got Kenny Galladay out, that is the only wide receiver you'd have your eyes on outside of TJ Hawkinson catching passes. And Marvin Jones, while he was kind of a hot ticket item, fifth, sixth, seventh round, uh, 
during the draft, he cooled off pretty quick as Kenny Galladay was inactive the first two weeks. But then once he started rolling those two weeks, two through eight, um, two through seven, before he went down with the hip injury, TJ, or excuse me, Marvin Jones got really quiet. Um, and during that first stretch of the year, uh, weeks one through seven, Marvin Jones clocked in as the number 42 overall wide receiver. But since the bye, Marvin Jones has been the number 17. And since Kenny Galladay's gone down, Marvin Jones has ranked as the number seventh wide receiver. And going up against a Texans pass defense that ranks 28th in coverage and has given up the eighth most amount of fantasy points to wide receivers, I got to be feeling all right about Marvin Jones in this game. My biggest concern is Matt Stafford. He's still recovering from that hand ligament injury issue, non-issue, what's ever going on. He's not a hundred percent, but I'm liking the matchup. I'm liking the role. He's projected to be guarded by Houston's number one cornerback, Bradley Robbie, who clocks in as the number 32 ranked cornerback in the league, which if you think about it, there's 32 teams in the league. It's kind of like he's the worst number one overall corner. So um, I feel pretty good about that. If you had to get guarded by somebody and it's the worst starting corner, um, I'll take it. Again, we'll see how Matt Stafford does, but I'm feeling pretty decent about firing up Marvin Jones this week. I like how you brought up Matt Stafford because that, to me, was my biggest concern. We just have not seen the Matt Stafford we thought we were going to get this year. And you can blame that a little bit on the thumb. You can blame it on the back that he suffered last year. You can blame it on Kenny Galladay being out. You can blame it on the night. (laughs) You can blame it on me. (laughs) Uh, He's only scored 20 or or more fantasy points in three of 10 games this year. He hasn't been a QB1 at all uh, this year. He's been QB18. He's only 18th in drop back attempts, or I'm sorry, in deep ball attempts with 35. He's 23rd in deep ball adjusted uh, adjusted completion percentage, and he's 29th in adjusted completion percentage when facing pressure. So he's just not getting it done for you. But then you look at the matchup, and similar to what we've been talking about, you know, like Austin brings up Marvin Jones, this is a great matchup for opposing quarterbacks. 11th best matchup to face. They're allowing 19.4 points per game to opposing QBs, and and they've surrendered the fifth most passing touchdowns in 2020. So could Stafford get right here? Yeah, but I think without a Galladay, I don't think I'm ready to trust him here in this matchup. Um, I would trust Marvin Jones, and I think I would trust TJ Hawkinson, uh, who has been you know a top five tight end all year long. But Johnny, you want to talk about the running game here? Yeah. So it, I mean, let's let's talk. We were talking about Thanksgiving a little bit earlier, and there's a couple of things that I'm very thankful for. Uh, for in this Thanksgiving, I'm thankful for you two. Uh, you know, being on this podcast with me, I'm thankful Thank for you too, uh, uh, I'm thankful for my wife and allowing me to do this podcast. I'm really thankful for Whisper Nation and uh, you know, liking and subscribing to our channel. And if you haven't and you want to join, then please do. Uh, but most of all. You know, I want to thank, you know, everyone out there who had their hand in being able to say that DeAndre Swift was able to clear enough time to get in a practice today, which was like the biggest hurdle in order to make it back this week. That is what I'm so thankful that I will be able to wake up on Thursday morning, eating my morning turkey you know, testing it out, testing out those, those mashed potatoes and watching my boy DeAndre Swift run wild on Houston because they are the league's worst run defense. They are giving up the second most fantasy points to opposing running backs with 25.6 fantasy points on average. And I, I think he's going to give it a go. And so I know you guys are like sitting here and you're going to say, well, 
What if he doesn't go? And I don't want to think about that. Okay. Um, this is Thanksgiving. I want to be grateful for stuff. So I don't want to think about the negativity. But if I had to think about the negativity, I wouldn't. Because, uh, listen, Adrian Peterson, garbage. <laughs> like he, 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 last week, last week you thought, oh, maybe, maybe I can get this guy in my lineup against Carolina. No, he only played thirty percent snap share. Carry on Johnson got seventy percent of the snaps. Uh, I no thank you on either one of those guys. Uh, if DeAndre Swift can't go, well, sure, thankful for that monologue there, uh, Johnny. You 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 really bring it home every time with the hard hitting analysis. We appreciate that. We know Whisper Nation will too. Let's move on to our next game here on the slate. Uh, because like that turkey you'll be frying up, this one's got a lot of meat on the bone for a couple of teams that haven't been the best. Um, we're going to have a lot of fantasy action in this Dallas hosting the Washington football team uh, in Big D here. 46 and a half point over under. We've got Dallas favored by two and a half in this one. Uh, Andy Dalton really fired this team up, but I want to start with the Washington side of the football. And Austin, I'll start with you. What can we get if anything out of Logan Thomas in this matchup because with Alex Smith coming into the lineup a couple weeks ago we thought maybe we could get a boost for Logan Thomas but nothing's really kind of popped up there yet well he's kind of the fun one to talk about on this team because he should be you you look at the snap percentage for Logan Thomas and it's elite he's on the field all the time like he's on the field more than the ball but (laughs) he's not doing very much with with those opportunities I mean Logan Thomas right now, despite his like, you know, 98% snap percentage, don't quote me on that, but it's in the, it's in the nineties. He's the number 17 tight end overall. And last week, five targets. That's okay. Just two catches though on six yards and Alex Smith with him throwing the ball. um, The last three starts, we've seen Alex Smith coming in with 13 points, 16 points, 10 points. He can get it done through the air. He can win you games as he did last week, but he's a tough, guy to rely on for players of Logan Thomas's caliber um so I'm not he's a touchdown dependent tight end we've got a lot of touchdown dependent tight ends in this situ in this league and um, if you had to start him there's probably a way you could do it worse but I'd fade on Logan Thomas and look for someone with a little more upside Alex Smith as well yeah, I think that was a great breakdown on both the quarterback and the tight end there, Austin. Just that they're going to get it done necessarily to win the game. Maybe not so much win you your fantasy matchup. Johnny, for uh, you know GMs that are rostering the running backs here, those running backs have got it done for them in a lot of different ways. How are you seeing the backfield shaking out in this particular matchup? Well, I'm not quite as excited about this backfield as I am DeAndre Swift, uh, but quietly no we don't but quietly uh antonio gibson okay first of all you love this matchup dallas giving up the ninth most explosive plays on the ground uh they're 28th in rush defense they're allowed they're giving up 19.7 fantasy points on average to opposing running backs so you're which is like ninth in the league you, you love all of those then you're like okay well i've got two running backs here which one do i start Antonio Gibson, you're going to be starting this guy. Check this out. This is wild. He hasn't. He's seen 16 plus touches in three out of the last four games, and he's scored a touchdown in all but three games this season. Now we don't like to say, you know, touchdowns are really fluky. We don't like to try to predict those, but I would say that he has a good chance of of scoring a touchdown uh, in this game. And then J.D. McKissick, I do think he's a flex play. 
He's seen 50% or more of snap uh, percentage in all three uh, in all but three games this year. And uh, it's really hard to find a more solid flex guy that you're going to get eight, eight to 12 fantasy points in a, in a PPR league. I want to close it out here with Terry McLaurin. Look, we know you're starting him, but I just wanted to shine a little light on this guy. He's having an excellent year, and this is an excellent matchup he's in as well. He's the wide receiver nine in PPR, guys. He's had not less than 80 yards in four straight games. He's got scores in two of his last four, and he's dominating the market share here with 27% of the target market share for this team. doesn't really matter who's at quarterback. You know, uh, Terry McLaurin gets it done. And then you look at this. I think this is a complete blow-up spot for Terry McLaurin. Dallas is getting absolutely torched by wide receivers. They're second in points per game allowed with 31.5. No team has given up more wide receiver touchdowns than Dallas with 19 on the season. And Terry McLaurin will face a lot of Chidobe Awuzie, who is allowing 1.42 yards per route run to opposing wide receivers. Not that you needed a bunch of nudging, but if I got to twist your arm anymore for Terry McLaurin, that's what I'm here to do. Um, on the other side of the ball, Austin, when we look at this matchup, I was really excited to see your storyline for this Dallas one because it's a controversial one here. Talking about Ezekiel Elliott going up against this Washington front, and you have some concern. I do have some concerns. Now, Ezekiel Elliott is got that floor protection that you drafted him to have. He's the number eight running back in standard formats. But last week's performance was the first 100-yard performance on the ground we've seen out of Ezekiel Elliott all season long. So while that performance last week is pretty good, the overall trend for Ezekiel Elliott hasn't been fantastic. And this is what really gets me concerned. Washington's got a sneaky front uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And Ezekiel Elliott, during the first five weeks of the NFL season when Dak Prescott was playing, he had five total rushing touchdowns. Week one through five, five rushing touchdowns with Dak quarterbacking for the Cowboys. Since then, week six through 11, he has zero rushing touchdowns. Zero rushing touchdowns for Dak Prescott with Dak not starting at the quarterback position. And I believe that Washington, how wild is this, is going to be up on Dallas, I think Dallas has a good shot of having to play from behind for a lot of this game, which obviously then doesn't encourage the game script from a smash and run the ball route. Um, Zeke, though, did catch a touchdown pass last week, so you do have that going for you. He's not really known for his pass-catching prowess. Um, he has been on the down. Last week was an up, but he's just not that wa a running back one that you were certainly hoping to have into what seemed like a prime matchup many weeks ago. I mean, the last time these guys played, he got 12 carries for 45 yards, only one reception for six yards. So Washington handled him pretty well in the first matchup, too. Interesting for you to bring that up. I, I don't know if I'd have the cojones to bench Zeke, but I could see a situation like if you came up on him um, and you, you were running back heavy, um, I, I understand the concern here for sure. I wanted to talk a little bit about Dalton Schultz. I know it's not the sexiest pick right now, but in this tight end landscape, I think people are not realizing how good he's been. Even over the last month with all the tumultuous tumultuousness at quarterback he's climbed to the tight end nine in ppr formats he's got 91 percent or more snap share over his last three games 21 targets over those same three games 14 catches 126 receiving yards um, that's some good good numbers for a tight end landscape that's really bad and get this guy's fifth in the nfl in tight end targets with 62 he's really racking up the targets there for dallas We've seen Andy Dalton kind of provide a nice floor for tight ends in the past. Tyler Eifert, Tyler Croft. He's gotten it done with guys before. 
Um, and then you look at this matchup. It's the 11th best matchup in fantasy. Uh, Washington is. They're allowing 8.8 points per game to tight ends. Um, so I, I just thought that was an interesting one to look at. Johnny, I, lo- I'm, I love that you took the wide receivers here because this is something that has been on the forefront of, of GMs, fantasy GMs' minds for the last few weeks. Like, when can we get the high-octane wide receivers back and in what capacity? You kind of saw it uh, start clicking last week with C.D. Lamb had some highlight catches. Amari Cooper was a, had a solid day. Um, and once again, Michael Gallup was a disappearing act. Um, but this is, that's exactly how I would break that down, right? You're looking at this, this matchup on the paper. Washington giving up the second fewest fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. No, that's not a fluke. They have been really solid this year. Uh, it's just like uh, about 17.7 fantasy points uh, per uh, game on average to opposing wide receivers. So I do expect Amari um, Cooper to have a very solid day. Uh, it's probably not going to be one of his ceiling days, but I think that he'll continue to be a solid option for you as a wide receiver to uh, play. And then you look at CD. Um, sorry, if, if, talking about Amari Cooper. Uh, he sh- the reason why I'm uh, confident in this play is because he should be lined up against Ronald Darby, who is uh, actually their weakest corner. He's giving up 0.26 fantasy points per route ran. Uh, and, you know, Amari Cooper hasn't seen any less than seven targets uh, besides three games this, this season. So uh, he's got a steady uh, target share there. And then real quick on CeeDee Lamb, he, I think he's a flex play. He's played on 67% of snaps. Uh, and he's matched up against Jimmy Moreland, who gives up the second most fantasy pro- points per route ran for Washington. So I do think you've seen a connection there uh, between Andy Dalton and C.D. Lamb uh, that you feel confident in at least throwing him in your flex uh, if you need to this week. If you have that, you know, Thanksgiving thirst. I do like what you said there. CeeDee Lamb is obviously doing the things to make you look his way, but Amari Cooper did lead this team with a healthy Andy Dalton back in targets, receptions, and yards. So Amari Cooper still seems to be the guy that kind of gets the sticks moving at least. And then CeeDee Lamb is just an explosive playmaker for sure. All right, uh, one more game, the dessert, if you will, of the Thanksgiving Day slate. This is the pie. The COVID COVID dessert. Yeah, I was just going to say, hopefully not the COVID pie. Um, But we're going to start with the Baltimore side of things because they are visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a 45-point over-under with Pittsburgh favored by three. And we've got Baltimore here. I mean, Johnny, I guess we'll talk about the running backs first and and what we've got to, to see with the COVID designations. Oh, uh, sorry. Or that, I'm sorry. Was that Austin? Sorry. Yeah, that, that yeah, was we're awesome. looking at Right now, we are looking at Mark Ingram and uh, J.K. Dobbins is being on the COVID injured reserve list for this, which opens up the door for Gus Bus Edwards to come in. Now, we might see another running back be called up from the practice squad. I would expect to see some kind of insurance come in, but we really don't have a reason to believe that Gus Edwards is not going to be the predominant running back in the backfield for the Baltimore Ravens. Now, the bad news with this is they're going up against the toughest run defense in the NFL in the Pittsburgh Steelers. The good news is that in week eight, going up against the same defense, Gus Bus ran for 16 attempts, 87 yards, and a touchdown news. Interesting news is that he's the only active running back in that week eight matchup J.K. Dobbins was in, and they both played really well. Um, You have to wonder if having an extra amount of touches a load is going to slow down the gust bus going to give him a little bit of a flat tire if you will 
or if he's just going to take all those opportunities and run away with the same yards per carry that he did in week eight. Um, he's got 4.4 yards per carry on the season. He's looked like a pretty decent running back overall. I'm really excited to see when he gets this opportunity. He can always fall forward for a touchdown, but he is going to be getting a lot more work between the 20s than he has um, for many of the weeks leading up to this. Austin, great, great uh, breakdown there. And I think it's great that you brought up, you know, he was playing with the other running backs in that Pittsburgh game, 32% snap percentage in that game. And really, he hasn't had over 40% snap share uh, in any game this season. And we're about to see that go up because... Uh, obviously, the other two guys are not um, going to be involved with the COVID designation, so going to be interesting to see Johnny. I just uh, I, I broke. I, I do want sorry. I do want to just uh, step in real quick. Just a uh, one more added a little cherry on top since this was the cherry uh, game. Uh, I I would say that including with all that stuff is the fact that Pittsburgh. We've seen this when there's been one when there's been one running back. They have given up some games. Melvin Gordon's had a game. Zeke ended up having a pretty solid game. So when we've seen it only be one featured running back, uh, that feature, and it's a good running attack, we've actually seen that running back be somewhat productive. So some people might be scared off because of, of the matchup, if he's on your waivers or something like that. I actually don't mind the play. Well, uh, some people thought that Lamar Jackson was this team's main running back based on what's been going on lately and, and early in his career. He did get the MVP last year, but he's only had one game over 20 fantasy points this year uh, in his last four games. He's only thrown over 250 yards once this year. That was in week one. His last game against Pittsburgh, he didn't clear 225 yards, and he had four turnovers. I'm going to say the wild thing here, and I'm going to say bench Lamar Jackson this week. Pittsburgh is the toughest QB match on the schedule. He's, they're allowing the least amount of points per games to quarterbacks with 13.4. No team, guys, has picked off quarterbacks more than Pittsburgh. They've got 15 picks on the year. And no team has sacked quarterbacks more than Pittsburgh with 38 on the year. So I am just deathly afraid of starting Lamar Jackson, who's already underperformed for you. If he's going to go off, I guess go off on your bench. I, I know that's hard to hear, but I just don't see it in the cards here with this Pittsburgh team. Uh, they've been locked down against enemy Q QBs. And so I guess I'll kind of turn it over to you, Johnny, if you think that affects the the pass catchers enough for you to be benching them as well. I think I just, we didn't have the same kind of narrative coming in, but it, it is, it comes to the same conclusion, which gives me more confidence in my answer because I was a little bit shaky and I was going to bounce it off of you guys. Um, so I was going to say, I, I almost think that Marquise Brown is is such a tempting play, and, and a lot of people are going to have this question: Should I play them because Pittsburgh does give up a, a lot of points to the the opposing wide receivers, twenty three point six on average? Uh, their defense ranks seventeenth uh, against explosive passes, so it it is somewhat susceptible to uh, you know players like Marquise Brown, but. I wouldn't be tempted in this because he's seen five or fewer targets in the last uh, in three out of the last four games. He's got a 60. This is the big the big thing, because if you look at his adjusted uh, adjusted uh, catch percentage, it's like 80 percent. Right. Like he's he's a talented wide receiver. But you look at what his catchable target rate is right now. Sixty seven point two percent. 
which tells you it's a lot more on Lamar and and that connection is not quite there than it is on Marquise Brown uh, because he's not even getting catchable balls. So uh, with both of those combos, uh, I know it looks like a great matchup uh, for uh, for Marquise on paper, but I would I would bench him. I wouldn't play him. Do you think that floats it over to Mark Andrews is really the only successful one we can look at here, Austin? I mean, we know that with Boyle going down a couple of weeks ago, we were excited about where Andrews could head. And it looked like it paid off. Johnny's boy, Mark Andrews, he's been talking the talent preseason during the season and benefited from it last week. We saw Nick Boyle go down and Mark Andrews enjoyed his highest snap share of the season at 87% and popped off for 18.1 fantasy points. Now that's not even as best fantasy performance of the year or second best fantasy performance of the year, which is a testament to the man's talent. Moving forward, I'm pretty excited about Mark Andrews considering he is going to see a higher snap percentage moving forward. And the first sample size we got of that was nice. On the other side of the ball, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers absolutely undefeated, looking like maybe the most complete team in the NFL right now. Um, but for fantasy football purposes, at least where I'm going to talk about next in the running game, it's been a little bit disappointing. James Conner has not really gotten it done for you on the level that you took him if you took him in the second round. If you've been hyping up the fact that he is one of the last bell cows in the league, he hasn't topped 100 yards in the last five weeks. He has not more, had more than 13 carries in three straight games. He's only had one game with four or more catches. He is averaging 2.8 yards per carry only over the last month. It looks a little bit disappointing. And then when you look at this matchup, it doesn't get any better for him. Baltimore has been top 10 against the run. They're only allowing 16.2 fantasy points per game to opposing running backs per game. Um, And New Orleans is is the only team to allow fewer rushing touchdowns with four on the year. Four rushing touchdowns. It's been or that Baltimore's only allowed this year. I'm a little concerned for James Conner this week, and similar to the Zeke take Austin was talking about, like you may not be able to afford to bench him here, but he could slide into your flex or something. You know, Maybe he's downgraded a little bit in your tempering expectations. Uh, if you need to swing for some upside, I don't blame you. But I guess that pitches it over, Johnny, to the passing game and Ben Roethlisberger and, and how you see him matching up against this defense. Yeah, Baltimore looks. I mean, they're they're a scary defense, right? Uh, and they're giving up uh eighteen point one fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, which is about middle of the road. Uh, you look at where Big Ben is right now. He's currently QB eleven on the year, so you know, still a QB one. Uh, if you if you do play him in this game, look for more of a floor game as opposed to a ceiling game. Uh. Big Ben has only thrown for 32 attempts or or fewer in four games this season, and one of those four games was against the Baltimore Ravens in this divisional uh, rivalry they have. So I can see this game going very similarly. I could see them running, trying to run the ball a little bit more, uh, and, and and keeping the attempts down for Big Ben. So uh, you know, unless you have a a terrible other option you might be able to hit the waiver and find a better option than big ben this week and so i guess what how does that break it down for the wide receivers for you austin because we've got this interchanging game strategy with these wide receivers it seems like because there's so many good ones there no really for sure and it took some time looking at these three wide receivers who have all had various pop-offs at various points in the season to determine how I would stack them up in a normal matchup and then how I would also stack them up 
against what is a fairly difficult matchup here from a pass-catching perspective going against the Baltimore Ravens' defense, given that they've let up the fourth-fewest points to wide receivers of any other defense in the league. Quick note on the Baltimore Ravens' defense. While they have been really great from a pass-coverage perspective as a whole, they really don't have a lockdown cornerback, if you will. Um, you could open up a possible big game for any single wide receiver because they don't just lock you up in one particular spot. They just play good defense. Um, so when I looked at it from that perspective, I had to look at each one of the Pittsburgh Steelers' three big wide receivers right now, and Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Chase Claypool. And while there was a little bit of a back and forth between Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, when Chase Claypool started popping off, he had that three-touchdown week, and Deontay Johnson started off hot, big expectations coming in, but he had that injury coming in, and it was like, oh, is Claypool actually the wide receiver one? The last three weeks, he's enjoyed 37 targets and has just looked like a monster. And I don't think we're going to be starting Chase Claypool over Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson looks like Big Ben's favorite target. But that is really nothing to take away from Chase Claypool or even Juju Smith-Schuster, who's only had four games this year of double-digit points. Juju Smith-Schuster is quietly the number 22-ranked wide receiver in PPR and 26 in standard. Um, not as good as you wanted, but you know we're looking at a, a wide receiver two, wide receiver three. Uh, and Chase Claypool, though, the rookie right now, has been pretty sensational. Now, he is enjoying targets eight plus targets the last three weeks but he hasn't broken 70 yards he does have a ton of touchdowns and leading to look like a touchdown dependent wide receiver right now if you're banking on those mondo games which he's had quite a few of um so i had to look deeper a little bit at the metrics though because between juju smith schuster and chase claypool um which one would i rather be starting in this situation and i'm going with upside and that makes Chase Claypool the easy grab for me. And the stat that made that evident was yards per route run. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster comes in third of these three wide receivers, number 77 in the NFL overall at 1.42 yards per route run. Um, we've got Deontay Johnson at number 35 overall at 1.84 yards per route run. And then Chase Claypool for the entire season is coming in number 16, 2.16 yards per route run. So that's phenomenal for the rookie. Um, he's just got a more exciting game to him. Juju Smith-Schuster's got a pretty decent floor. He's going to be involved. He's like there all the time, number two. It seems like he's on the field more than Chase Claypool is, but Chase Claypool is just doing more with those opportunities. So I go Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool for upside, and then Juju Smith-Schuster for me in this matchup. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.